the Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 42. Today, we're joined by Abby Clark of MoveNet. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. And we're back. I'm sure you guys have missed us a ton. As you've noticed, there's been a little hiatus with the Fitness Hacks podcast. And basically, we took this to try to determine what would be the best course of action to bring you not only more content, but the best content we can create. We started not only doing the podcast now, but also the day in the lives and YouTube videos every single week. And this way, we can give you a different perspective into the fitness industry. And so moving forward, rather than posting a new episode every week, we're going to do a new episode every two to three weeks that's going to bring you new guests, it's going to bring you new information and new topics and new interviews from people that you love. And in between, you'll also get videos that share a day in the life of over a number of different topics, everything from vacations to different types of macro cycling eating to different types of workouts, sharing with you a lot of different perspectives so that you can not only see how we live, but see how a lot of different people in the fitness industry not only build their business, but also live their lives. So be sure to go check out the Facebook page, Redefining Strength, and the YouTube channel, Redefining Strength, different variations videos, basically bringing you the best of the best that we're putting out so you can grow both your fitness business, but also grow and improve your fitness lifestyle. And we're so excited to be back today with Abby Clark of MoveNet. It was so interesting talking to Abby because she brought up so many times the mental element of training as well as the physical element and how much they're so tied together. She also did so many different things to sort of find her calling in the industry. And I think it's something that a lot of us relate to. You know, we've, we've done maybe the running or the lifting, and we're just trying to find our path so that we can not only feel better, but also move better. So let's jump right into it with Abby and be sure to listen to the end to find out how you can save big on a MoveNat certification. Today, we're joined by Abby Clark of MoveNat. Abby, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness? Sure. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Um, So uh, my background is definitely um, a variety of uh, different movement practices. Um, You know, to kind of go back to my childhood, I was always um, the kind of girl that you would find outside um, playing in the woods, swimming, riding my bike. Um, And in most of the times, because it was a pretty rural area, where I grew up, I was by myself or with my brother and sister. So um, lots of usage of uh, my imagination. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, climbing trees, uh, you name it. I never really got into structured or organized sport. I played a little bit with soccer. I did do swimming for a while. Um, but they never really um, held my attention like uh, just kind of going out into nature and doing my own thing. Um, and then fast forward to about my senior year in high school, I started working in a gold gym, uh, in a childcare. And I, that was my first exposure to structured exercise. I had no concept of squatting, bench press, uh, lifting weights, um, prior to getting hired at gold's gym, um, just to do the daycare and to get to the daycare room, I would have to cut through the weight room, um, So when I would come into work, I would see mostly men um, in the weight room 
lifting. And uh, that was, again, my first exposure to lifting weights and any kind of structured exercise or programming. Um, and I started working at the front desk at that same gym. And I started to um, pay more attention to the trainers um, and what they would do with their clients. And I was just very curious into what this whole exercise thing was. Um, and when I was 19, I went and got certified under the um, encouragement of my mom. She actually worked at the front desk there as well. And she thought, um, just because I was a people person, that it might be a good fit for me. But uh, as far as my knowledge goes, I had no idea. Um, so I was a little insecure and nervous about uh, going into this, but I went for it. And uh, fortunately, I uh, worked in a gym with a very supportive team of uh, trainers who had been in the business for a while, and they took me under their wing and uh, helped me. Um, and I met my husband there. He, we've now been together for over a decade and he um, came in with a strength and conditioning background from the University of Virginia, and he's the one that started introducing me to more complex movements uh, with the barbell, um, such as Olympic lifts. Uh, he started helping me with uh, paying more attention with uh, programming uh, and program design uh, for different types of results, uh, mostly performance-based. Um, and then during that time frame, I went and got kettlebell certified um, through the RKC in 08. Uh, and that overlapped with my yoga school. So I kind of just dived into movement in general. I just really, um, I was very, very curious about how movement and, uh, how movement affected or how the body responded to movement instead of what I'd always done, you know, which was just, uh, again, just moving it more in nature and, uh, more for what I enjoyed doing, um, and not realizing the implications, uh, the good or the bad of, movement or lack of movement. Um, so yeah, I did yoga teacher training. I, um, got into Ashtanga yoga for a long time and, and taught yoga. Um, and then I got into bodybuilding. <laughs> um, I competed at a national level in bikini and, uh, focused, uh, a lot of my training on, um, I kind of, uh, became my own science project, um, and focused on what nutrition and, uh, focused training would do to body composition and did that for a bit before uh, I became pregnant with my first son. Um, and then after my pregnancy, I started to um, kind of go back to my child-like mindset towards movement and wanting to just get back to more of um, a deeper purpose for why I need my physicality beyond just either strength gains or body composition gains. And that's where I found MoveNet. And that's where I am today as a, a team instructor for MoveNet, a physical education system um, that teaches uh, people how to um, build their capability in natural movement um, and, and, and for real world uh, situations. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> so it's kind of been a little bit all over the place, but it's always been uh, my own little in, internal navigation of, uh, of fitness. I love it though. You explored so many different things. And I think so often trainers get in and if they haven't gone to school for it or don't necessarily have a ton of experience when they start out, they feel slightly inadequate or like, you know, how am I ever going to learn? How am I ever going to get to a certain level? And your story and my story is actually very similar. Like I got into it working at the front desk of a gym and it, it's one of those things that you don't have to have a traditional route to find your passion and really help people. And by exploring it as, as you said, which 
I love, by the way, you can be your own science project so that you can really learn and grow. Yes, absolutely. If you were to give someone a recommendation, you know, because you did experiment so much, what would you tell someone starting out who's really trying to seek out knowledge to do? Mm, so where where would I have them start? Is it just for their own personal growth or to become a uh, trainer? If they're looking to grow their training knowledge, maybe because they're thinking about taking the leap to become a trainer or they're a trainer just starting out and there's so many different options out there, what would you tell them to do to find their path? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would definitely say having um, a very uh, basic fundamental understanding of anatomy um, and uh you know, of, of uh, physical exercise science, um, definitely just the basics, you know, just understanding muscles, joints, and how it all works together. Um, and then branching from that certification more into um, something that you feel um, more passionate about. Um, you know, I know in yoga school, they definitely did um, get into the anatomy, but it was definitely very specific to yoga. Um so I would definitely recommend just a, a basic certification um, for physical fitness or physical education um, just to get that knowledge. Um, I know in MoveNet, we teach natural movement, and it's great, and then we have a, an amazing progressive curriculum. Um, but I can see where if people are coming in and looking at this for a um, – a potential professional move that if they don't have that understanding, cause we've talked more about positioning, um, as opposed to like what muscle is, you know, what muscle are you activating to do this climbing technique, for example. Um, so I think just having a, a basic underlying understanding of the human body and how it responds to movement and exercise. Um, and then from there building up, you know, going more in the direction of either the type of clients you want to work with, or again, the, the movement modality that really um, inspires you. I find it so interesting too. you know, you did the, the bodybuilding more of the aesthetic competition training, and then you've gone into move Nat. you know, often people get very, very staunch in their support of one position or the other, like, Oh, bodybuilding training is horrible. Or, Oh, you can only, you can't ever just do that. You need to lift weights and you need to do Olympic lifting or, you know, powerlifting. And people get very like in support of one thing and very against something else without having tried it. How did you make that transition when those things can have very opposing camps? Um, well, for me, it was definitely a personal paradigm shift. Again, when I was introduced to move Nat back in 2000, right after my son was born, 2014, um, I did a retreat down in Mexico with the founder, Erwin LaCour. And, um, I, for me, I was definitely in a different mindset. I was kind of looking for something different. I was kind of done with, you know, doing the bikini stuff. Um, and at the same time, I've also realized that we have a tendency to compartmentalize um, or put movement, different movement um, practices into boxes, you know, so you have like your powerlifting, you have your CrossFit, you have running, you have your cardio, you have, so we tend to um, categorize everything. And then um, what happens when people are entering the gym scene and they're trying to find a way to become um, a healthier version of themselves, they tend to kind of specialize in one entity of fitness. So they might focus on, oh, I want to run a marathon. So they start training just for the um, outcome of that marathon and it gives them a great focus and a great goal. But then they, because they're over specializing in that, they tend to um, 
not get into, you know, lifting or um, climbing trees or the importance of mobility and stuff like that. So what I see often is that people, that fitness has become a very specialized industry as opposed to um, putting a premium on um, the fact that humans are very, we're generalists and that um, we can climb, we can run, we can lift, um, we can jump, we can swim, we can do combatives. So I think we definitely have a tendency or this mindset to like get really good at one thing or put all of our, you know, we, we go, we put all of our eggs in one basket. So we're just going to go for powerlifting. That's all we're going to do. And then I think when you get sucked into that world, um, you know, when I was in the bodybuilding world, I thought it was so huge. I thought everybody was doing bodybuilding and I would talk about, you know, different, I would drop different, um, names who were professional bodybuilders. And, you know, most people look at me like, who's that? Who, I don't know who that is. I'm like, what? You don't know, um, you know, who Nicole Negrani is or whatever. Um, and then when I got out of that world, I realized that it is small and same thing in the natural movement community. I feel like it's so much bigger. And then when I step out, I realize. um, that there's not. So I think people, when you're in it, you think that's everything. Um, and you kind of narrow your movement boundary, your, your movement boundaries, your movement behaviors, I think reflect that and it, in that culture and it becomes smaller and you don't realize that there's so much more to expand upon and so much more opportunity. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's what I see normally is people kind of get stuck. Um, and they forget that they're capable of doing a lot more. Um, than just that one thing. I love that. I love your phrase that people are should be generalists. I always say we're we're dabblers. We should dabble in a lot of different things because the thing is, is the human body is meant to move in a lot of different ways. And even what training is right for you at one stage in your life might not be right at another stage. So to completely rule out a form of training just because it seems different or weird or untraditional or whatever you have in your head that it is, it's one of those things that you're really sort of cutting off your nose to spite your face because you're not opening up all these other options to feeling better and moving better. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. So at what point did you decide, I want to go from athlete to coach? And did you kind of have a mind shift or mindset shift? Was it difficult to make that transition or was it fairly natural? Um, well, I never, I never considered myself an athlete. I've never once considered myself an athlete. Um, so it's hard to say. Um, I definitely, going back to my mother's encouragement, I think what drove me more on the coaching end instead of the athletic end was, uh, again, just my uh, natural tendency to uh, be more, you know, in high school, I was known as like the social butterfly. I'm just a social person. I like to interact with different people. Um, and I am also, I also like to help people. So I think it was kind of a easier role for me to fall into that, that coaching um, into the coaching role as opposed to the athletic role. Um, I thought I was never competitive. And then when I got into bikini, I realized that I was, but I also looked back at that. And, um, I think that that competitiveness was also a lot of more, I was competing with myself. And some of that was just more like ego and insecurities that was driving that competitiveness as opposed to like a healthy, um, uh, perspective on competition. So, um, so team sports and stuff like that, I never really had that, uh, that inclination to be super competitive with others. Um, and so that's why I think I, another reason why I was never drawn to that. I always uh, did kind of my own solo, um, type stuff, uh, or even swimming to me felt a little bit more individual than, than being on a team. Um, even though I was a part of a team when I was in that water, it was just me in the water. 
Um, and I didn't really worry about the swimmers to my left or right. Um, so yeah, so I think I just kind of naturally fell into that coaching role. Um, and, uh, I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I was like, there wasn't a lot of resistance, um, for that. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you became very competitive and it wasn't a good competitive. How much do you feel that you see that in your clients at the gym when they're working or when you deal with, you know, trainers getting certified with MoveNat? Do you see a lot of that competitiveness? That's something people sort of have to deal with on a mental level as well. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely when I was coaching women for, uh, physique competitions, um, I definitely, the mentality that the conversations, uh, the dialogue was very different than the clients that I work with now. Um, it was definitely more, um, much more competitive. You know, the tone was way more, um, they just wanted to follow structure regardless to, uh, things coming up in life. So, and that's where I found in bodybuilding was that there was kind of this, um, disregard for, you know, even for example, working with women in their menstrual cycles, you know, and even for me personally pushing through a program, even on my heaviest days of my cycle, instead of backing down a bit and, and just respecting where my body was at. Uh, so definitely more that mentality where they, it was like the eye of the tiger mentality where they'll push through anything because they were so focused and disregard, um, a, a lot of other things, whether it was just their own body and their, their body trying to communicate with them and the body's needing something else or in life, like things coming up in life and going out to social events and stuff like that and, and, and having no flexibility in their nutrition or missing a workout. So it was definitely a different mindset, different conversations, and they would beat themselves down if they like missed a workout or if they missed the meal or, um, you know, even behind stage at competitions, women within your division you know, there was more cattiness or more just silence, a lack of support. Whereas, you know, if I was a bikini woman competing and then there are figure girls backstage, we totally got along. We'd help each other. We'd support each other, more conversations, more relaxed. Um, so it was definitely a totally different because I think the mindset was so different. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but I know that, um, for me, when I started getting more at that higher level in the bodybuilding scene, I, and with social media rising at that time, I started comparing myself more to other competitors. And that comparison became a self-destruction for me. It became the whole, the whole intention changed because now I had to beat this woman and now I had to show up leaner than this other woman. Um, even though I didn't have any personal issues or complications with that person, or maybe I didn't even know them. I just created in my head this, this, uh, made up like, competition with certain individuals, if that makes sense. Uh, whereas now I don't see that in the, in the natural movement community. Um, uh, I don't, those conversations don't really have an, uh, happen. And, uh, a lot of people who come to me, the women I work with online now are simply trying to be healthier versions of themselves. They want to move better in their environment. They want to feel more confident and more capable. So it's a, a completely different dialogue. It's definitely a focus on moving more naturally, finding that balance, even maybe a mental empowerment when you sort of return to the basics a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if someone was interested in getting involved in MoveNet now that they've heard you talk about it and they have absolutely <laughs> no idea what the heck you're talking about, how would you summarize it for them? 
Um, yeah. So like I mentioned before, it's a physical education system, uh, to teach, uh, capability for the real world. And by doing so, we have these different, uh, it's all, it's all through natural movement, which natural movement are movements that the human species were selected to perform, um, by nature. So think of, um, crawling, rolling, jumping, climbing, lifting, carrying, catching, throwing, swimming, combatives. Um, those are just some examples of movements that we were just innately uh, born with. And what's happened is over the course of time, um, our, our modern uh, way of living doesn't really support the need or the demand for that physicality. Uh, so for example, climbing, you know, um, in real world stuff going outside, we don't really, we kind of have to seek that, uh, that opportunity to climb. We don't really have to anymore. Um, so it's a matter of, uh, you know, if you have, if you make the mindful decision to say, Hey, I want to relearn these movement patterns, uh, that I was, born to do, or maybe I did when I was a child, but have, have, um, have lost them because I, I don't really do them anymore from going to my bed, to my car, to my office, back to my car, back to my bed, um, day to day. Um, and then I do, you know, the weekend warrior type workouts where I go to the gym and just do, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of like a, um, you know, intense type exercise routine. Um, so yeah, so to answer your question, it's, it's relearning those skills um, and becoming competent in those skills. But what we see people who don't train these skills, even though we instinctually have them within us, um, or they become instinctual to us is that it could be effective, but they're not efficient or they can't adapt. So for example, uh, lifting a bar, you know, lifting a barbell with, uh, you know, a rounded spine, you know, maybe somebody could pick it up with that type of alignment. But as we know, as trainers, that's not the most ideal. And it's not the most efficient way to lift it It was effective, they did it, but it was it efficient. And then the next step after building efficiency in the movement would to build would be to build adaptability. So can they go out and deadlift a log, a boulder? Um, could they go, you know, different objects, different objects with different uh, surface, uh, you know, instead of the smooth engineered steel bar, could they pick something up that was rougher? Um, so those types of things is, are, are what we would focus on. And, um, we do that through certifications. We do it through one day and two day workshops. Um, we offer retreats, um, which I'm doing one in September in Oregon for women. Um, and we do online coaching. Now we actually offer online coaching to, uh, develop these skills progressively with a move that, um, team instructor. So I have to admit I'm a little biased and I really want to know a little bit more about your women's workshop as I think that's it's always interesting when you know we do divide off and we focus on women because there are different needs. What is going to be different about that workshop from just a traditional one? Okay, so well, to clarify, I just finished a uh 3-day level 1 women's only certification and 2-day workshop. They overlap uh together. Um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there are about 30 women total and it's the same curriculum. Um, if you were to go to just one of their standard certifications or workshops, um, but I, by creating a space for just women, it's allowed more conversations to happen. Women have feedback I've gotten is that they feel less intimidated to talk about 
certain things, uh, certain movements that they struggle with. We're able to slow down in certain movements that the woman's uh, body tends to um, have a harder time um, building that skill in. For example, uh, climbing, there are climbing techniques. So it's nice to slow down and, and focus more on those. Um, so yeah, it's just it was just creating a safe and um, supportive environment uh, to have more conversations, to slow certain movements down and spend more time with it and to connect. You know, we're really busy um, now, so we don't often have the opportunity to just be around other women and, and relax and hang out and socialize and also be in an educational supportive group um, where you guys are going through something together. Um, then the retreat, September 15th through 17th, is all of that, but we're doing it outside in nature. So we're including more, it's more of a, it's a deeper experience. It's more about going into the philosophy, the mindset. It's about connecting with nature again. Um, so there are progressive skill building instructional sessions that I'll lead, but then we also go out into nature and have more of a practical, a direct practical application to those skills, um, group hiking, cold plunging, campfires. So it's more of a opportunity uh, to go deep into learning natural movement, but in a, it's a, it's just a different energy. It's a different, um, I, again, I would say on a personal level, it's more of, of getting into the why you're there. What are your intentions? What do you want to get out of it? Instead of just learning the nitty gritty of, uh, the natural movement piece and, and, and what, you know, and how to break it, regress and progress different natural movements. If that makes sense. It totally does. And it's, it's so nice sometimes just to slow things down and really get back to why you're doing things. And then even to connect with people. I think it's often something that trainers overlook the need to connect and just talk about the business and talk about their passion. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's what I like about the retreat is it, it does create uh, more time for that to kind of slow down and talk and connect. And then even at the women's certification, I found like Saturday night for the group dinner, we all just went to like a grocery store, got food and went to the park and got in a big circle just intuitively. Of course, women like to group in circles in a big circle. It's really neat to see that, um, just naturally happen. And we, you know, we're out there till after the, uh, the moon went down, I, I'm sorry, the sun went down and, um, just had a great time connecting and laughing. And, uh, it, there was just no ego. There's no, no competitive or judgment, uh, type vibe at all. It was, it was awesome. It was really cool. With doing so much, I feel like you always get asked the question, you know, what advice do you wish you could have given yourself, you know, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? And in that case, like, what advice do you wish you could have given yourself a lot earlier? Mm, um, to not, uh, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, when I was doing that bikini stuff, I, I think the whole comparison thing, you know, not to compare yourself to others and create that superior inferior, um, type mindset because comparison just, it's complete self, uh, destruction and sabotage. Um, uh, so definitely not comparing yourself to others, not comparing your success or where you are to others, um, would be something I would want to go back and tell myself. Piggybacking on that question, since you do have so much experience and you've done so many different things, where do you see the future of fitness going, both for you and the industry in general? Mm, that's a great question too, Ryan. Um, my hope, my biased opinion is that we will start looking at movement uh, through a broader lens, uh, that we will start expanding our movement behavior and our movement boundaries. So stepping outside of the box, not moving so linearly. 
um, that will start making it more inclusive. And that's one thing I love about MoveNet is that it's, you know, one of their principles is, uh, it's universal, meaning it's, it's, uh, accessible for anybody, regardless of age, gender, or origin. Uh, so I'd like to see more exclusiveness, uh, inclusiveness in, in the fitness industry, um, making it more accessible, uh, to all. Um, and then again, just having more of this broader perspective, um, curiosity and exploration of, um, how capable our bodies are and, uh, creating more of a, uh, giving us more of a physical, more purpose to our physicality instead of just thinking we got to go, you know, it's just like checking off the box, a routine, go to the gym, you know, run on the treadmill, lift your weights. Um, but looking at movement as a part of our lifestyle. Um, so that's where I'm hoping the fitness industry would go. And again, I'm hoping from a biased perspective that, yeah, that people will start to become, um, coaches, trainers. And we are seeing that, you know, we're seeing, um, a lot of, uh, influential people in the fitness community, uh, fitness community, um, looking at natural movement and starting to realize like, Oh, there's more than pull-ups that we can do, um, when it comes to climbing. Uh, so I think we're, we're going in the right direction. And I think it's also reminding people that it's about moving better, not just going into the gym for that hard workout that you have to check the box and be done with. It's about really like being able to live your life, you know, climbing and swinging and chasing after your grandkids or kids on the monkey bars. Like who doesn't want to beat them too? I mean, you just don't want to catch up to them. You want to like show them how it's done. Exactly. And that's, that's the other thing about the movement. I know I keep plugging them, but it, it, and it's biased, but it's also something that that's why I just fell in love with it is their, their whole thing is skill drives capacity. And what we see in the fitness industry more often than not are people coming into the gym and they're like, just going for that intensity. They're going for that higher workload instead of starting with the fundamentals, starting with building a really strong foundation and then building up. So Um, that's another thing I really like and would love to see in the fitness industry and with coaches is slowing down, bringing people back to the the basics and building up. And then, um, with, while the coaches are doing that, that hopefully clients or members coming in will also have a different mindset towards movement, understanding that, okay, I need to go through these steps and I'll be working up to, you know, to work up to that higher capacity or conditioning, you know, we always put a strip premium on like conditioning over the skill. Um, so that's what I, that would be really cool to see is on both ends, the mindset, um, shift a bit, uh, to focusing on, on just the basics and then going from there. Totally agree. You earn harder movements, even though sometimes we think we just can come in and do them. You got to earn them. Yeah, Absolutely. And in terms of where you see yourself going? Mm, uh, with my own personal movement practice or professionally? Both, actually. <laughs> um, with my own movement practice, is uh, it, it's limitless. Um, I want to be able to continue to explore um, my capabilities and challenge myself in different environments, uh, whether that's a natural environment environment or indoor or gym, whatever the environment is, I want to continue to be able to challenge myself. Um, but at the same time, always, you know, for me, my ultimate goal is to be able to, um, 
be competent and efficient in all the natural movements um, as a human being so that, you know, if you're over at my house, say, Abby, can you go climb that tree? And it's like, I don't have to say, oh, wait, let me warm up for five minutes and then I'll go climb the tree. I can respond. Um, so that would be kind of a cool goal for me personally uh, in my movement practice is to be able to respond to something without having to sit there and warm up or have to question my own competency and whether or not I can do it. Uh, I'm not talking about like superhuman stuff. I mean, although I did see Wonder Woman and that was amazing and very inspiring, um, but realistic things like um, a depth jump, you know, jumping down and, and knowing that I can land that depth jump without, you know, banging up my knees or something like that. Um, and then also just going deeper beyond natural movement, uh, and tapping more into my femininity. So I am totally cool with natural movement, but I feel like through the world of, uh, fitness and even becoming more capable, um, I still think there are other ways to, through movement to connect more to, my femininity and building my confidence up and, and being a woman. Um, so I definitely do other work. I work, my mentor, Sierra Bender does a lot of, um, work, uh, with women. Um, and it's a lot of breath work, different yoga postures, um, connecting to nature. So kind of going deeper a little bit, um, beyond just a, a physical capability, but a spiritual, um, and mental and emotional one too. Um, so that's my personal and professionally, yeah, I love movement right now. I love, I love, love, love teaching natural movement. Um, I don't know if it's the end of the road for me. I, I'm still exploring that. I feel like the more I work on myself and explore um, that stuff, the more I'll start to realize what, you know, what I'm supposed to do. But uh, definitely lately I've been feeling kind of a deeper calling to kind of, you know, start you know, I want to stand up for the environment more, you know, there's stuff like that. So I'm not really sure. I don't know where this is going to take me. I'm just trying to stay open to it and, uh, and just follow again, that internal navigation that's brought me to where I am today. It's so great though, that you're, you're not only focusing on the physical, but also the mental aspects of training and that you're so open to new things and just trying to move better and prove that age is just a number and it's all about ability. It is. It totally is ability mindset. Um, Absolutely. And lifestyle. I mean, it really, and that's, that's the other thing is how to implement all the stuff that we're learning and apply it to your life. Um, so that doesn't just feel like a check off the, you know, checking off the box. Well, based on all of the information you've given us, I'm super excited to jump into this next segment, which is called the Fast Five Fitness Facts, where we're going to ask you five questions and you can give us your best answer. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. So question number one, and I'm really excited for this one. What is your favorite exercise? Oh, my favorite exercise. Um, Making you pick one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My favorite exercise, I would probably have to say the deadlift or lift. Yeah. Hip hinging deadlift. I like that one. <laughs> what exercise do you love to hate? Love to hate. Um, Okay, so there's this movement and we've not called the tuck pop up. Um, it's basically putting your forearms like say you're on a pull up bar, um, putting your forearms and elbows on the forearm bar. And then from there, so you're hanging by it's like a forearm hang. And you have to like explosively um, pull yourself up and over the bar to where you come to like the top of a muscle up essentially. So now your elbows are extended, and then coming back down. So that's something I had to train really hard and long for to get. And I hated training for it. But once I got it, I, I really enjoy the movement. So probably the tuck pop up. 
Yeah, Corey just pulled that one up right now just to look at, and that looks brutal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll have um, marks on the forearms. Oh, yeah, your arms will look really sexy. <laughs> but, a, but a good accomplishment. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I feel like that would be my answer would be anything that's like so hard to get. But once you get it, you just you, you have to just love it um, because it just took you so long to get there. And next question, what is the best book you've ever read? Oh, the best book. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is The Giving Tree. And I know it's like uh, a child book, but that that book um, was very profound for me growing up. Do you guys know which book I'm talking about, The Giving yeah. Tree? Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a, it was so simply written, but it had such a profound message behind it. An adult book, uh, I would have to say, um, ooh, what would be an adult book? Um, I mean, I do read them. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> um, my all-time favorite. I really liked Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, I enjoyed reading that one and her second one that followed that about marriage and exploring relationships. Um, and I loved the Ender Games. I don't know if you guys are familiar. It's a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Those are some good books. <laughs> totally random, but those were what came to mind. <laughs> and what's your favorite pump-up song? Okay. Um, so my bikini song. My, the first song that came on when I went on stage the very first time was like a G6. So that has like a personal, um, <laughs> every time I see, I hear it, um, I get a little pumped up. Um, I love Lindsey Sterling, um, and that type of electronic, uh, uh, music, uh, because lyrics sometimes brings your head to a different place. Whereas when it's just musically driven or instrumental driven, um, I stay focused a little bit better, but Definitely like a G6. And then I love um, the Britney Spears song. Is it called? I don't know if I should say it on here, but work it, bitch. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll allow it. Uh, work, is it working, bitch, or work it, bitch, or something? I never know song titles, but if it's Britney Spears, <laughs> I probably liked it too. So <laughs> so ironically, those, especially when I'm in that zone where I, I have an intenser workout, um, I tend to do that, but then I like uh, soundtracks like from the Hunger Games and uh, stuff like that with a, a female uh, r- uh, strong lead. And last question: If you could train with one person, alive or dead, who would it be, and why? Mm. Um. So I absolutely love Laura Croft. Um, <laughs> she's she was my role model growing up. Um, I loved her, you know, the relationship she had with her dad. She's an archaeologist. She protected the good. Uh, she had badass moves. I loved her outfit. So I always wanted to be Laura Croft. But I just recently saw Wonder Woman. And um, I think the goddess Diana, I would love I would love to probably work out with her. I, I, I feel bad. Like, I feel like I'm cheating on Laura Croft. But... <laughs> But I would have to go with uh with Wonder Woman right now. <laughs> Those are two of our more creative answers in like fictional characters, but I definitely can relate to that. <laughs> Did you see the movie yet? Haven't seen Wonder Woman. Definitely watched a lot of Laura Croft movies growing up, but she's badass, right? She's incredible. I love it. And I love what she stands for. Um so yeah, those 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 two women for sure. And I, I don't know if they had to go against each other though, I would probably put my money in wonder woman just because she's you know she's a goddess you know she has all these powers we'll just say they're going to be on the same team 
They're going to be, I love that. That's the perfect answer, Ryan. That makes me feel better. So I train, if I could, I train with both of them. The good guys. That's the good team. Exactly. (laughs) Abby, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners where they can find out more information about MoveNet and even connect with you? Yeah. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. It's, uh, my handle's feminine underscore badass. Um, you can find my bio and my upcoming events on MoveNat site. It's movnat.com. Um, I do have a Facebook feminine badass page, but honestly, I'm not as active on there as I am Instagram. Um, and you can email me at abby at movenat.com. Um, and for your listeners, if they're interested in the retreat, uh, they can use my promo code abby underscore movenat for 10% off. Um, and I think that's about it. I will be, and uh, you guys are first hearing this, um, I will be creating a website um, sometime later this year. I don't. I want to say like this summer, but it might be more like fall. Well, as soon as that is ready, we'll link out to it. And we'll definitely put the code as well if people want to take advantage and go to the awesome retreat. Yeah. Thank you so much, Corey and Ryan. I so appreciate your time and your show is awesome. Oh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.